Hey, wife. Hey. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you can talk. Uh, well, we're back at it again. What are we talking about this week? Divorce. Oh, hooray. Uh, any particular reason why? No reason. <laughs> that did not sound like a, like a no, very reassuring no, no, no. answer. There's just, there's a lot of questions and controversy around divorce. So we thought we'd just add our two cents for what they're worth. Um, as married people who don't plan on getting divorced. But yeah. <laughs> Ever. Uh, not just because we're in love right now, but because I don't think either of us ideologically align with it because the Bible's kind of clear that divorce is no good. And so we'll talk about some of the things, the basics behind divorce. We'll also then delve into some of the controversies and some of the objections people might raise and uh, kind of how our thinking aligns with that. We might not be the authorities, uh, nor the most well-read or studied people, but we have thoughts, and so try to share those, and might as well do it together. I've done an episode like this, but it was like two years ago or something, and it was just an excursion on divorce from Matthew 19, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, I th think it was pretty good, but I don't really remember what I said. So this is the remaster, and it's got two of us this time. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, um, what are your thoughts on divorce? Uh, don't do it. That, that's a good start. Okay, why not? Well, I just don't see a lot of biblical evidence to justify divorce in really any circumstance. You can, there is some good arguments for some special cases, but those are definitely last resort fixes to a problem it's never going to be like the first solution it should never be your go-to for marital problems so as we're starting off instead of just like diving into all the depths here just surface level view from the very top are you would you say you're pro-divorce or anti-divorce Anti-divorce. Anti-divorce in general, and then in specific cases, there may be some exceptions. All right, where do you get that idea from? Um, there are several passages, but Matthew 5 is definitely the first one that comes to mind. Okay. Why not go to the Old Testament? Well, I mean, Matthew 5 does kind of bring up the Old Testament as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. Matthew 5, are you thinking verse 31? Mm -hmm. 31 and 32? Sure. Uh, you want to read those? Sure. So it says, um, It was said, Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a cer certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. All right. So this is Sermon on the Mount stuff. Mm -hmm. Jesus's first sermon, and so it's it's the big one. It's the one that everybody knows because it's full of really good stuff. And in this section, starting in uh, really in verse 27, um, you have a series of commands in verse 27 and verse 31, 33, um, when else? 38, 43, I think that might be the last one. Mm -hmm. So you've got a bunch of these commands or, or statements, really, that is, you have heard that it was said back in the day, like Old Testament times, but I say to you something else. 
And then it's it's not like an opposite of what was just said in the old law, but it is a clarification or it's a furtherance of the old law or it really, how would you describe it? Mm, really along those same lines. It's Jesus is going through and clarifying the intent of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for the for the murder command in verse where is that oh it starts in verse 21 i i forgot that one uh you were told you shall not murder right but verse 22 if you're angry that the anger that leads to murder that's as good as murdering someone so it's really about the heart it's not about just the actions the actions are sinful but it's not only about the actions it's also about the the heart and the mindset behind it mm-hmm so how does this play into divorce? Well, he's clarifying an Old Testament command about a, about divorce. Because Moses had said, you can divorce your wife by just giving a certificate. And Jesus is clarifying that's not enough of a reason to divorce. Yeah, so in Deuteronomy 24, the first four verses about is kind of, it's what I believe this Bible has a reference in it that points me back there. Um, or it says actually 23.21. If I'm, no, I'm in the wrong section. That's wonderful. No, yeah, Deuteronomy 24.1. I should have researched this before. If a man takes a wife and marries her and he finds some indecency in her, um, some people think indecency means, you know, uh, sexual immorality. Some people think indecency means anything that he just doesn't like about her then he can send her a, he can give her a certificate of divorce and send her out and whichever version of that i'm pretty sure that moses was going for the the sexual immorality thing but israel in these times seemed to have generalized that and so there are stories about jewish men who would divorce their wives over burning the bread because it was indecent. It was wrong for her to do. She was not successful at her job, and so they send her a certificate of divorce and send her out. You've heard that that's what was said, but really the intent of this law is uh, a much more purposeful kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, don't divorce. Yeah. At least don't make that your first go-to. Mm-hmm. How so? Well, he does say, like, except for the reason of unchastity, which is super vague, and I don't really know what he means by that. But it it gives me the impression that there may be some instances where maybe that is a viable option, but in any circumstance, it is not the first choice. Mm-hmm. So unchastity is typically taken to mean some kind of adultery because, especially because this is clarified later on in like chapter 19, we'll get there in a minute. Um, That seems to be what Jesus is implying. But unchastity, I mean, if you define that, it's just unfaithfulness. And we can mean that in terms of marriage. You can also mean that in any number of things. And so if she is unfaithful in cooking well, uh, she burns the bread, then send her away. And so I think even though Jesus is pushing back against that, people can twist those words and, and use it poorly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So divorce is bad. Yes. Yes. Except for when? 
Last ditch resorts. Last ditch resorts for what? If I've counted to ten, can I then divorce? Hmm. You want to stand before God and tell him that's... So, no. Fair enough. It is definitely a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. And not one to be made lightly. Yes, but I, I think that's stating it far too lightly. Right? He says it's like you're not allowed to divorce. If you divorce without this uh without this unchastity you are making forcing someone else to commit adultery and if you marry someone who is divorced you are committing adultery and that's a serious sin that's not something to be taken lightly mm-hmm. so how would you phrase it is divorce good or bad it's bad it's bad except for when you want to make a case that it's not bad i guess okay yeah we can work with that um, that's a better definition than just it's bad sometimes unless it's right. Cause if, if divorce is just the last ditch effort, then it's just, I've put a lot of work in and it's not working out. And so, oh, well, I guess I'll just divorce, but that's not really aligning with the cause of unchastity. And so we can't, we can't, the flexibility of English language once makes us want to, kind of lighten that blow and say it is the last resort and it is mm-hmm. for one very specific scenario that is fair yes and so just clarifying those statements so that uh so that we're clear so that we're actually unified instead of generalizing it uh too broadly so unchastity if you want to define unchastity and make your case before god on the judgment day you can divorce <laughs> um, if you run into those problems. Maybe think about it before you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Matthew 5? No. Cool. Solid opening. So generally, don't divorce. There may be a specific circumstance in which divorce is all right. Um, it's, not, it's not recommended. Jesus doesn't say you mm-hmm. should divorce in the situation, but there may be an allowance here, which is kind of clarified a few chapters later on when we get to Matthew 19. And is that kind of, is that where we want to go next? Sure. Yes. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, and the best commentary on a book of the Bible is the same book of the Bible, because generally they, you know, corroborate best within their own books. And so Matthew 19 is the classic divorce section cool um so um, uh, rip headphone users uh matthew 19 i guess in verse 3 so some pharisees came to jesus and they're testing him and asking is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God therefore has joined together, let no man separate. And uh, we'll get to the last section in a minute. But that's kind of the answer. So, So when you read that, what do you think about divorce? God never intended it. God never intended it? Does he authorize it? Mm. When you read just that section? No. Does he 
agree with it? Does he want it to happen? No. No. Why not? Because he joined it together. It's man almost just like claiming the authority to decreate something that he didn't create. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good way to put it. So God made man, right? Jesus, Jesus has asked this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Again, maybe that helps clarify that statement in, verse, uh, in chapter 5 and verse 31, that you can just give her a certificate and send her away. Um, is, can we just divorce for any reason? Uh, no, that's not what that command was about. It's about unchastity. It's about unfaithfulness. It's about um, whichever term Jesus used. It's about those specific things. It's not just a general command that you can divorce over whatever. And so that's clarified a little bit there. But Jesus takes this idea, and he takes it back to the beginning, mm-hmm. not something that's based on him or his interpretation, but something that's just based on the inherent facts that God built. And what's the, what's the system that God put together? That God made men and God made women. And when a man and a woman get married... God makes them one person. They're no longer one man and one woman. They are one couple, I guess, is how we would say it. And so Mm -hmm. since God has created them into one person, to break that apart is almost taking God's place. Yeah. So when God created human beings... He instituted marriage. That's the first. Uh, that's the first like structure that he built in, is the structure of the home and family. You take one man, you take one woman, put them together, and they're a unit. And it's a marriage. It's something that cannot be broken. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll we'll talk about that. It's not supposed to be broken, because God's who put it together. And so the idea is the man and the woman stay together. They are one. God has made them one. And so even though they're physically two different beings, they act as one. They think as one. They work as one together. Mm -hmm. Fair to say? Yeah. Cool. All right. Where else was I going with this? Because I forget. So Jesus establishes this command from the beginning. And he, he, well, God establishes this command, but Jesus was also there. And everything was created through him and for him. So I think Jesus established this command too. So he's pretty intimately familiar with how this whole system works. He's the one who made it. And so um, I think he has some authority to talk on the matter. And he establishes male and female. God does. God establishes male and female coming together in a marriage that instantly rules out homosexuality. That's just not allowed. That is nowhere in the original system. That is nowhere in God's plan for humans. Biologically, it doesn't work. Morally, it doesn't work, and God just disavows it uh, by the very existence of man-woman together, marriage. So, now that we have that under under wraps, that's just kind of a pretty answer. Uh, what's Jesus' conclusion? Don't break apart what God put together. Yeah. So, is there any reason to divorce? No. No. When Jesus, and, and we'll get to the clarification in just a second, there's a furtherance of this, there's another question, there's another answer, and it goes a little bit deeper. But when Jesus is asked the question, is it lawful for someone to divorce for any reason, he says no. <laughs> right? Generally, is it lawful for someone to divorce? Generally, no. 
Um, and so if you're questioning whether you should divorce or not, uh, no, right? That's the big, that's the big broad answer. Now, there may be one situation in which uh, it would be, it would be allowed, it would be legal. It's not encouraged, uh, but there may be one situation in which it's not against the law, mm -hmm. right? Or no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You want to read it? Uh, sure. Seven through mm, through nine. nine. Yeah. They said to him, "Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away?" And he said to them, "Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way." And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. So is there a reason why divorce would be acceptable? Well, it seems really similar to the, to the passage in Matthew 5, where there's this little except for immorality, which again mm -hmm. is very vague. I think mm -hmm. in Matthew 5 it said unchastity, unchastity, which is, again, kind of, you get that it's same even idea. more big. Yeah. But unchastity, it, 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 I think it probably has some connotations to the, uh, the, the marital relationships, shall we say. But it's probably a little more vague than sexual immorality. It doesn't even fair. say sexual immorality. See? Oh, it just says, says immorality. immorality. I think it's, I believe it's safe to say those are pretty much the same thing. There's a footnote in mine. Uh, we both have New American Standard, but I have one with big footnotes and she does not. And uh, immorality is tagged with the, with the literally fornication. And so I think it has that implication, uh, even if it's not the exact same word. Okay. So um, if, you, uh, if you fool around then you can get divorced, basically. If you get fooled around on, then you can get divorced. So if your wife is unfaithful to you and goes towards somebody else and does things there, uh, keep it PG, I guess, I, I don't really know. Um, if your wife messes around and you find out about it, you are allowed to get divorced. Fair? I think so think so why do you think so why why not why not assert yes or assert no i mean sexual morality still seems vague um mm -hmm. because i mean earlier in the book and the sermon on the mount um jesus talks about how looking at a woman and lusting after her is committing adultery true so where do you draw that line if your spouse is having like unfaithful thoughts is that ground enough mm -hmm. yeah that's a good question matthew 5 27 and 28 you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery this is right before the uh, divorce passage but i say to you everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart so is looking and lusting enough to divorce over because it is immoral, Jesus compares it with adultery, or he equates it with adultery, depending on how strongly you take that language. And so, is it immoral? Does it count for his immorality clause that's here in verse 9? Um, 
I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I guess just in sticking with some of the other ideas also found in Matthew, especially in the Sermon of the Mount, where both of those passages are brought up, um, that is also where Jesus says, like, hey, the way you judge people, that's how God is going to judge you. Mm-hmm. And the marriage relationship is kind of, in some ways, a picture of our relationship with Christ. And I think it's really easy to get dogmatic about your spouse and be like, oh, they mess up once and I have enough to throw them out. But in reality, is that how you want Christ to treat you? Because how many times have we messed up against Christ and left him and he still takes us back? And there's always, it's always a delicate balance. And I think First Corinthians actually might shed some light on these kinds of situations. But I think it's fair to say as a blanket statement, no, don't, don't do it. Okay. Yeah, don't, don't usually divorce. And when it comes to this, like, I always think of the example, because you raised that point that man and woman together, two beings, uh, essentially being one being, um, that idea, God and Christ and the Holy Spirit are three beings, and yet they're somehow also one being. And so that relationship that we have with each other is very much the relationship that God has with himself in that combined unit. I don't know how that works either. And also that Christ has with the church. Yeah, and um, that's where Sorry. I was going. Can't believe. Uh, we're just We're just married. We're just one now, so we just... No telepathic. I'm not telepathic. That would probably fun, fall under magic, and magic is a sin. So that's mm-hmm. that's another fun discussion we should have sometime. Magic is real, and it's not good. That's my official statement on it. We can talk about it later. Anyway, to be continued. Uh, to be continued in an in an episode in the future. Um, so yes, that's true. That's true. I, I think that husband wife is is representative of God and himself and then Christ and the church as well. And God over and over again in the Old Testament represents himself as a husband who is married to an unfaithful wife. He keeps he brings that example up. Uh most famous example is Hosea. Right? Hosea the first 3 chapters, he has his prophet marry um using a loose woman. A loose woman. A um, a loose woman. <laughs> That's the best way I can say that. Uh, yeah, he has him go off with an unfaithful woman so that he gets that experience that God has, which is getting run out on and having her go around with who knows how many other people. And then even, um, as you notice, the way it refers to his children, maybe the first one's his, but it seems like the second and third one come from somebody else and are illegitimate in that way. And yet God's command is every time, go back and go back and redeem her, even though she doesn't deserve it. And then that those three chapters are a picture of the book of Hosea and really are a picture of the entirety of the book of the 12 of all the minor prophets put together, which if you don't know the minor prophets, we have 12 minor prophets by ourselves. Um, but in the Jewish in the Jewish like scripture in the Old Testament, those are all just one book, and they're read as one book. 
and it's one comprehensive story arc in which God rejects his people because they rejected him. He judges them, but then he ultimately brings them back. And so that picture of passing out judgment, making the, uh, the loose woman go away, but then Hosea goes and brings her back because that's how God always deals with his people. Uh, he sends them to Babylon and they suffer. Mm-hmm. And then he brings them back because they're his, still his people at the end of the day. And so the idea that we would, we in the husband wife relationship are representing God and his people or Christ and his church, right? As is the parallel made in Ephesians, um, that we would then just sever that relationship is something that God never did, even though Israel was horribly unfaithful to him. Um, why are you smiling? Oh, nothing. What? Sorry, I was I was remembering our wedding ceremony. Were you? Mm-hmm. What about it? I don't remember our wedding ceremony. <laughs> no. Um, sorry, completely off topic. All the all the passages that people go to at wedding ceremonies to talk about marriage that have mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to do with marriage. That's true. Sorry. Please continue. Ephesians, not Ephesians. First Corinthians thirteen. Love is patient. Love is kind. That's what marriages are based off of. Patience and kindness. Which, not, you should have love in a marriage. And you that should. is true. You should. But that passage is also just talking about everyone. And you shouldn't be loving because you're a husband. You should be loving because you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Not just to your wife, but, mm-hmm. you know, to everyone. So yeah. There are special ways that love can apply in a marriage. And there are special ways that... You need extra patience in a marriage because you're not able to just, hey, it's true. You're not able to just walk away. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. You're stuck with the person at the end of the day, and you better make peace. Um, and so there are special ways that those things apply, but it's not merely a wedding passage. Yes. Sorry to yeah. sidetrack. My least favorite is Ecclesiastes, like, four or nine. The cord of three strands. The three-strand <laughs> cord. It's the man, the woman, and God. No, it's not. It's just it's talking about friends and working with people and yeah okay anyway we specifically ask for that not to be in our wedding ceremony because it's my least favorite passage to be used for a wedding anyway so weddings are good basically like a three-strand cord there's a man there's a woman there's god and you're all stuck together and you can't come unraveled because then that cord becomes useless it's a good picture that can be applied to marriage it's just not specifically related to marriage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes and so if god didn't divorce his people you probably shouldn't divorce yours and there may be an exception. There may be, there may be a law, um, and, and here's where I want to come around to at the end of this episode. There may be a law that allows you to determine that there has been unfaithfulness, unchastity, immorality, whatever that might be, that, that enables you to divorce a person. Mm-hmm. But God doesn't do that. And secondly... The section we've just come off of, right, we're looking at Matthew 19, but Matthew 18, just like my favorite chapter in the Bible, uh, fixes so many problems with life because if people just listen to Matthew 18, the amount of problems we'd have with each other are pretty much non-existent because, uh, I mean, what does Matthew 18 really talk about? Um, this is just me rambling about the best chapter in the Bible. It talks about not being a problem for other people. It talks about not hurting the little ones who can't help themselves. It talks about humbling yourself. It talks about getting rid of the stumbling blocks for yourself and getting rid of that for others. Don't be that stumbling block for other people. 
It talks about God going out and seeking people, and so 99 plus 1 in verses 12 through 14 in Matthew 18. God cares about every single one. He seeks out every single one. We should care about every single one. Don't give up on people. And then he goes into verses 15 through 18, which is, hey, if your brother sins, right, if there's a problem, what do you do? You go and reconcile in person if you can. If that doesn't work, take two or three and go reconcile. And if that doesn't work, then you go to the elders, and then you go to the uh, church, and you go to the congregation. And if that doesn't work, only at that point, once everyone has tried everything they can, do you separate and disavow that other person. Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Uh, and I believe that's literally, I don't believe the figurative interpretation of that passage. And so that would be once everyone has tried everything that's possible, there can be a separation. But again, it's on you to determine if the problem has happened in the first place, if immorality has been committed. And then it's your determination as to when you're just going to decide to cut this other person off. And that section is immediately followed by, um, hey, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus is like, bruh, <laughs> there is no cap on this. Not no lie like the kids say nowadays. There is no maximum amount of forgiveness that you should extend. There's, there's no way to exceed how much forgiveness you should give. And then we're talking about divorce. Well, can you divorce? Yeah, technically. But God never did. And so it's up to you to determine when an offense would have occurred, which is very subjective. And you can make that as strict or as loose as you want to. It's up to you to determine when is the right time to finally call them a Gentile and a tax collector because you've tried everything that you possibly can, which, again, is as tight or as loose as you want to. And then it's up to you to determine when you should stop forgiving them, which is uh, never. And so with those three questions bearing on your conscience, sure, you're technically allowed to divorce in one situation, but should you? And that's kind of the question we forget. We always say, yes, you're allowed to, and then we move on. But we don't take into account the context of the passage, which is kind of pushing back and saying, no, you shouldn't, I think. That is fair. And I, I think First Corinthians can shed some light on that. Um, because First Corinthians, I think it's 7, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is about um, it's the new church in Corinth, and it's about people have been converted some of them are married sometimes their spouses didn't convert and they're trying to figure out how do i live with this um which answers a lot of those questions of what do you do when your spouse doesn't agree with you what do you do if your spouse is still very much living in sin and you're trying not to live in sin Mm so yeah if you want to go there I think we will probably do that next time we're wrapping up uh we're hitting 31 minutes here and so We'll take a pause. We'll release this video uh, when it comes out and be looking for us to continue this conversation as we keep going next week. Thanks.